afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to live from your true self through all of life's twists and turns. And you'll be challenged to lean into the mysteries of life to find your own deepest wisdom. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. You know, there are so many ways dictated by so many others to be a quote-unquote spiritual person. Many, for example, believe that they should never allow themselves to have a so-called negative thought or a so-called negative feeling. They believe that doing so not only makes them less spiritual, but it means that they might attract so-called negative events into their lives. But what if there's no such thing as a negative thought or feeling and no such thing as a negative event? Others believe that repressing fear in the name of love is a spiritual thing to do, and it makes them into a spiritual being. But what if being spiritual simply means being being? What if our definitions of spirituality are skewed along the lines of man-made images that have to do with how it looks to others? Many of us are spiritually bypassing and calling it spirituality. This term, spiritual bypassing, coined by Robert Masters, is our subject today. Don't miss it. Be here for the whole show. So what do I mean when I use the term spiritual bypassing? Well, there's a whole book written about it by Robert Masters, and uh, I really urge you to go and check that book out. You can find it on Amazon.com and read it. It's a well-written book, and it really explains it very well. But here's just a quote from Robert Masters. He says, spiritual bypassing is a very persistent shadow of spirituality manifesting in many forms, often without being acknowledged as such. Aspects of spiritual bypassing include exaggerated detachment, emotional numbing and repression, overemphasis on the positive, anger phobia, blind or overly tolerant compassion, weak or too porous boundaries, lopsided development, Cognitive intelligence often being far ahead of emotional and moral intelligence. Debilitating judgment about one's negativity or shadow side. Devaluation of the personal relative to the spiritual. And delusions of having arrived at a higher level of being. These are all ways of spiritually bypassing. What you're doing there is you're going around, over, under, above spirituality. You're not really touching spirituality, but... It looks, sounds, and, and it looks and sounds to you like you are being spiritual, and so you think you are. And it's because there's a lot of teaching out there about what's spiritual and what's not that isn't true. You know, we've been warned by many different religious teachers of all different religions to watch out for spiritual people who will uh, lead us astray, people who are um, false prophets, as it uses that in the Christian, in the Christian terms. They call it false prophets. What they mean is that there are people out there who may unwittingly or even deliberately lead us astray with regard to what is spiritual and what isn't. Robert Masters goes on to say, it's been easier to frame spiritual bypassing as a religion transcending spiritually advanced practice or perspective. Some of the more glaringly facile features, such as drive-through servings of reheated wisdom like don't take it personally, or whatever bothers you about someone is really only about you, or it's all about it. No, excuse me, it's all just an illusion. Are available for consumption and parroting by just about anyone. 
he goes on further to explain what true spirituality is. He says, true spirituality is not a high, not a rush, not an altered state. It has been fine to romance that for a while, but our times call for something far more real, grounded, and responsible. Something radically alive and naturally integral. Something that shakes us to the very core until we stop treating spiritual deepening as something to dabble in here and there. Authentic spirituality is a vast fire of liberation, an exquisitely fitting crucible and sanctuary, providing both heat and light for the healing and awakening we need. As Viktor Frankl said, what gives light must endure burning. And we want to stay with that phrase today, what gives light must endure burning, because that burning is what we're trying to avoid by spiritual bypassing. The burning, however, is what transforms us very often what transforms us. We can be transformed in, uh, in light and easy circumstances, but we can be majorly transformed by those experiences that we might say are burning us. And so what gives light must endure burning. And so uh, so let's talk just a little bit about the kinds of things we're trying to avoid. One of the big things that's out there on and, and sort of marketable today is fear is the opposite of love. It's one of those statements and the quotes that people use all the time fear is the opposite of love and so what people do is they they think that if they have a fear about someone for example uh you know i'm afraid he might be trying to trick me but they shouldn't listen to that they should be loving and kind instead and so they loosen up their boundaries and they and they you know allow someone to to use and misuse and manipulate them. And uh, so they, they end up having weak or too porous boundaries and they have overly tolerant compassion, which is one of the, uh, what those uh, aspects of spiritual bypassing that Robert Masters talked about. And, and so what we're saying here is that, um, that fear is just as useful to us as love. Um, you know, when we, when, when we say that fear is the opposite of love, what we're saying is that we should not ever have fear. We should only have love. And one of the things that I say frequently is that when you put the word should in front of the word love, it ceases to be love and becomes obligation and duty. And one of the best, most clearest definitions of what unconditional love is, is found in the Christian Bible in 1 Corinthians 13, where it's, it describes love, unconditional love, and the kind of love we are loved by. Uh, we are loved as in this way by the divine. Um, and uh, so one of the things it says in there is, if I give all my goods to the poor so that I have nothing and give my body to be burned, but it doesn't come from love, it means nothing. So basically what that says is, you know, I can do all kinds of things over in an overly tolerant, compassionate way. And, and what I'm doing is I'm trying very hard to do the right thing, trying very hard to do what I should do. But it's not genuine. It doesn't come from love. And so it means nothing. It's just another duty, another obligation. What we've got to get to with true spirituality is genuineness. What's really going on inside of me? Not what I'm faking, what, not what I'm trying to pretend, not what I'm trying to push away, not what I'm trying to be like. You know, there's so many people out there telling us how to be, who we ought to be like, 
you know, uh, memes that tell us, you know, be like this, be like that, you know. And what basically what they're saying is, you know, look outside of yourself for some kind of model and be that. Well, I mean, that, that has its merits. That, you know, it has its merits. We can certainly look to other people and see what they are and enjoy their, their um, gifts and their talents and, and even perhaps look at some of our own behaviors and see how we match that. But to try to be something other than what we are is to miss the point. Being is what we are. And at the, at the core of our, uh, beyond all the identities that we put on, all the masks and costumes that we put on, all the ways that we try to be good, and all the ways that we should and we have to and we ought to and we ought to be obligated to, beyond all of that is a genuine core self. And that is where we find true spirituality. We want to get to that person. And sometimes we have to walk through some really hard feelings in order to get to that person. So we might have to walk through some fear to find that genuine core self. And will that core self be afraid? I don't think so. I think it probably will will be much more peaceful. But that doesn't mean I don't have to walk through some fear to get there. And, and in order to and and in the process, what's happening is I'm transforming. I'm becoming different as a result. I'm becoming more aware of that deeper self. I'm becoming more aware of what makes me afraid, um, what my triggers are, what you know, where did I learn to be this afraid about these things? And as I do that, I'm coming closer and closer to loving myself. And that's a deep spiritual uh, experience. Self-love is a deep spiritual experience. So what we have to get to is genuineness. I spent a whole book talking about this. It's called uh, Letting Go of Good. And uh, in that book, I talk about all the different ways that we're trying really hard to be good. And in the name of being good, we try really hard to to be uh, ever-present for other people and serve other people and always be there for other people and always think of other people and never think of ourselves because that's selfish. All of that is a form of spiritual bypassing. And all of it is a way of saying, you know, I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to trust my genuine feelings to be enough. I've got to put something over that. I've got to push forward and be better and be stronger and, you know, all that. And so that in those ways, then, what we're doing is we're, we're spiritually bypassing. We're pretending to be something in the name of goodness instead of being who we are in the name of spirituality. Uh, we're afraid to be who we are, however. We're afraid of that because we're afraid that if we are who we are, we'll just be bad, dumb, stupid, ugly, all the pejorative terms that we think of, something to be shamed of, some, something to be uh, uh, feared even. Something to be that we don't want to be. But here's the thing. Who is the you that doesn't want to be that? Who is the you inside of you who doesn't want to be those things that you're afraid of being? And why would you be afraid of being them if you really are them? Think about it. Process through that. That answering those questions helps us get closer to what's genuine inside of us. So, so what we're talking about is when we say we should not fear, what we, what we do is we, we pretend to ourselves that we don't fear. And we march forward and we do the thing that we think we're afraid of. 
And um, sometimes, as a result of that, the fear seems to go away. And, you know, okay, I, I don't disagree with that. But is that a spiritual experience then? Um, I remember one time being very, very afraid of getting on a river. Uh, uh, we were going to uh, kayak down a river that was, uh, it was the Nantahala River in Tennessee. And uh, it's full of rapids, and it's got some whirlpools, and it's got some dangerous places on it. Uh, but I had a dear friend who taught me to look for the V, the upside-down V. You're looking for the point in the V, and you're going to go through the cup of the V into the point of the V, and you're going to just keep heading for that V all the way down the river. And I did that, and I, I was terrified to get in that boat, but once I did it, and I realized that I did have the power to, to, to steer that boat down the river, and I could do it successfully, I was okay. And when, when it was over... I was really glad that I did it, and I, and, and I look back on that experience today as one of those experiences that taught me a lot of wisdom. So definitely there are times when walking with your fear through it and, and, and even past it are, is a very, very helpful. But pretending you're not afraid and telling yourself not to be afraid is a whole other ballgame. I didn't pretend I wasn't afraid. I was terrified, and I knew it. I was literally physically shaking. That's how scared I was. But I did it. And once I did it, I was really glad I did it. And I learned a lot about myself and about life and about, you know, now I, now I know to look for the V in life as well. And to, to just look for the, the, the way the water seems to be flowing instead of looking for the way out or the way around or the way under or the way over. I just look for the way the water's flowing. And that's the way to generate a genuine life, I think. So, you know, here's what I'm suggesting about fear. I'm suggesting that instead of trying to get rid of it, trying to push it away, that we walk through it, that we allow its voice to speak to us. Sometimes it's going to tell us that we, you know, something important. Like if we're standing in the middle of the street and there's a truck coming, we need to be afraid enough to get out of the street. So sometimes it's telling us, it's warning us of some real danger. We need to listen to it. Other times it's just afraid because we learned fear. And that learned fear has ta- taught us to be uh, afraid of or distrust all people, for example, or all men or all women or all, you know, uh, uh, or not to, to always be afraid of money or, you know, these are things that we can learn in our upbringing and they they, they teach us that, and then we, we, we learn that, and we operate as if it's true. And even then, though, if we have that fear, if we walk through it to the other side, allowing it to have its voice, allowing it to speak up, we can learn some things about ourselves. We can learn some things about our, how we got to this fear. We can learn some things about how we, the mask and costume, we've, the particular mask and costume weaved on in this particular life. And we can get closer to the genuine self by just walking all the way through. It's a braver deed to walk through fear than it is to pretend you're not afraid. To pretend you're not afraid in the name of spirituality is even worse. To, to lie to yourself and say that you're not feeling something you are feeling or to try to repress something you are feeling is, is not a spiritual experience. It's not, it, it doesn't run deep enough to be a spiritual experience. So 
so that's what I would suggest about fear. The same is true with things like anger. You know, people say that, that anger is a negative emotion, that we shouldn't have anger, and that anger will eat your body alive, and that anger will cause cancer, and that anger will, you know, it will, uh, it, it's what, what they say, it's your, you, you are eating poison and hoping somebody else will die, <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, all those things that we say about anger are not necessarily true. Anger is a part of the I am. It's a, it, 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 authentic. It, it comes as an can come as an authentic emotion. It just springs forward from the authentic self that says, "Wait a minute, I'm here. I'm real, and I matter." And my anger has come up to remind me, not you, but me, that I'm here. I'm real, and I matter. And so my anger has come to tell me and remind me of that fact. And if I, can, if I can stay with that, if I can remember that anger has come to tell me that I am here, I am real, and I matter, then, then I do much better with anger. Then I can look at it and go, okay, how am I choosing to not be real here? How am I choosing to not, uh, to not really be here, to, to sort of dissociate from this event? How am I choosing to not matter to myself? How am I disappearing from my life, in other words? Uh, and, and, and when I do that, then anger can say, well, let's don't do that. Let's speak up. Let's stand up. And let's have a voice. Let's let your voice be heard so that you can hear it. And then other people will hear it also. So you hear your voice standing up and saying, um, no, I'm sorry. I can't do that. That doesn't feel right to me. You hear your voice saying, you know, that's, that, what you just did really hurts me, and I, I, can't, I don't want to uh, be around that. Um, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm going to have to end this friendship because this is not working for me. This, you know, these things that you're asking me to do or these things that you do are fairly toxic for me, so I can't do that anymore. These are things that we can hear ourselves saying that authenticate the genuine self. And that's a spiritual experience. Why? Because it's genuine. It's not fake. It's not pretending. It's not saying to myself, I shouldn't feel anger. It's allowing the anger to have a voice. And, uh, and so when we do that, when we allow ourselves to have that voice, and we begin to hear ourselves, we become more grounded, more centered in who we are. Instead of trying to pretend some, to be something we're not, we become more centered and grounded in who we are. So that's a spiritual experience. And that's that, that experience that uh, Robert Masters says is not a high, it's not a rush, it's not an altered state. It's a fast fire of liberation, an exquisitely fitting crucible and sanctuary, providing both heat and light for the awakening. And it is the light that must endure burning. That's true spirituality. So we're going to be back to talk about some more about uh, what spirituality truly is and about spiritual bypassing in just a few minutes so you want to stay tuned for that we also have a clip from Oprah's Super Soul Sunday coming up too so be here for that it's your world motivate, change, succeed VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com 
When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective, it changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We experience all sorts of changes as we move through life, marriage, raising children, moving up the corporate ladder, and saving for retirement. To maneuver smoothly through these changes, tune in to Practical Solutions for Life with host Catherine Wilking. Through engaging guests, fun topics, and feng shui solutions, you will learn how to take charge and move from chaos to prosperity. Be sure to listen live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on The Voice of America Empowerment Channel. Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free. 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at AndreaMatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about spiritual bypassing. But before we go further on that, I want to tell you about an upcoming Super Soul Sunday. This Sunday, March the 10th at 11 a.m. Eastern and Pacific on OWN, the Oprah Winfrey Network. Uh, Oprah Winfrey is going to be talking to Michael Jordan, award-nominated actor of Black Panther, Creed, and Fruitvale Station. And he's also the executive producer of upcoming OWN drama series, David Makes Man. So that's going to be, again, this Sunday, March the 10th at 11 a.m. Eastern and Pacific on OWN, Oprah Winfrey Network, and it's also going to be streaming on Oprah's Facebook. The interview is also available on Oprah's Super Soul Conversations podcast. This episode was originally taped during Oprah's Super Soul Conversations from Times Square on February the 5th. Let me tell you a little bit about Michael Jordan and this interview. He's going to be discussing his skyrocketing career and why he says his life has already exceeded his dreams. Michael's breakout performance came in 2013's Fruitvale Station, directed by visionary Brian Coogler. The duo teamed up again for Rocky's sequel, Creed, and then the mega-blockbuster Black Panther. Michael says after playing the superhero villain Eric Killmonger, he went to therapy. He says, as a man, I think we get a lot of slack for, you know, what it's like to be masculine. I don't really subscribe to that because I feel like everybody needs to unpack and talk, whether it's at a therapist or a close friend or a family member. Michael is forging his own path by starting a production company called Outlier Society Productions, 
which guarantees inclusion in all of its casts and crews. So here's a clip from that interview with Michael. So the question is, how do you, in the midst of all this, are you working on, and I, I would say, I wish I had done more work at the time on centering and taking it in, because so much of it is a blur. So what are you doing now to, to manage that for yourself? It's the meditation, it's the, the spiritual kind of connection that you have to be able to ground yourself and center yourself, that you're protected moving in these spaces that are constantly taking things from you, your energy, you know, um, you know, just that's, dr- that's draining throughout yeah. your life. So when I am on the road, and this is something that I need to work on and I need to do it more, more often because things are getting a little bit more intense for me. Is Blurry, that gets blurred. Because you're all, like you said, you said it perfectly. You're going from one place to another. You know, people are, you know, pushing you here, answer this question. And you're coming in the back door. You don't even know what hotel you're in. You have to get up and ask, look at the phone. Sometimes you just walk into a room and be like, oh, this is what we're doing. Hey, what's up, guys? And you're you're, you're on again. So I think just finding moments um, to center yourself, to ground yourself, to kind of. You said meditation. So does that mean you, like, actually, hmm? There's. Meditation has a lot of baggage to it. I think there's a a lot of, you know, stereotypical, you know, you're sitting there, you know, legs crossed, you know, incense burning, but you are setting a scene and creating an environment for for energy to to come to you and for you to kind of center yourself. So you are, you know, taking deep breaths. You are holding thoughts of what you you want to happen. You are sending your energy out into the universe to take care of whatever needs to take care of. So when you physically walk into that space, it's already done. Yeah. Beautiful. I can't wait to hear that interview in full, and I hope you'll be there. Remember, this Sunday, March the 10th, at uh, 11 o'clock Eastern and Pacific on own Oprah Winfrey Network, wherever that is on your TV. Okay, uh, so we were talking about spiritual uh, bypassing, and what he just said about meditation fits into our talk, too. So I want to come back to that in just a minute, but I want to finish talking about anger Uh, a little bit too because anger can be very confusing for us because uh, we can hold on to anger for years and of course then it can be debilitating we can also uh, go really from just anger to rage which can be harmful to self or others so we you know we we have to use anger well the same is true of fear fear can just become the dominant force in our lives if we don't know how to use it but when we walk through fear and listen to it and, and trust that it has a message to give us about who we are and about what we can learn about life and about ourselves, then it goes away. Why? Because it's delivered its message. And the same is true with anger. If we listen to it as in, what are you trying to tell me about how I'm not mattering to myself? What are you trying to tell me about how I'm not being present? What are you trying to tell me? about how I'm not really, uh, I'm really sort of disappearing from my life. What are you trying to tell me about that? What can I own that I really need to own that, that makes me really be here in this life right now, fully alive and present? What do I need to own to do that? And that's a brave action. But the bravery is that is the very essential spirituality. Because spirituality is a brave act because in order to have light, we have to endure burning. So so when we talk about anger, what we're we're not saying is it's okay to be angry and hurt people. It's okay to hold on to anger for years. No, that's not what we're saying. What we are saying is 
it's okay to feel anger and then ask it the vital questions and wait for the answers to come so that you can feel the anger. You don't have to do anything with the anger right away. Just feel it. Be present with it. Ask it some questions. What, are you, what is it that's really bothering me? What, what am I really angry about? I've talked to people who are angry. Who, when you ask them what they're angry about, they don't know. The answer is, I don't know why I'm so angry. I'm just angry. You know, well, we need to know. You're the one that's living in this anger. If you don't know what's going on inside you, who is going to know? And if you don't know what's going on inside you, how can you, how can you claim to be a spiritual person? So when, when, when we have anger, we need to be present with it. We need to say, okay, I've got some anger. This is time to really listen and really hear what the anger is trying to tell me. And, and then ask it, how am I not mattering to myself? What is it that I'm not owning that I really need to own so that I can be, be here, really be here in this moment? What is it that, that, I, that I need to speak to? What, what, what do I need to give voice to? If we ask those questions and get those answers and then behave out of, out of what we've just learned, then the anger is no longer necessary. It goes away. It's delivered its message, so it goes away. See, what we need to understand is that our emotions are an internal messaging system. They want to talk to us about our spiritual being. They want to direct us closer and closer to being a spiritual person. I think it's fascinating that it's almost as if those emotions that people call quote-unquote negative emotions are those emotions that are the most powerful to transform us. And so we live a life without being transformed all the while saying that we're spiritual being. But how can we be a spiritual being if the spirit is never allowed to transform us? How can we be a spiritual being if the spirit is never allowed to transform us? That's the question of the day. And so it's really important for us to pay attention to these feelings as they come up. They are not negative feelings. They're difficult that's for sure. They are difficult, but they're not negative. And there is no such thing as a positive feeling either. We've decided on those things. We've said there's, there's a negative feeling, and anything that's difficult is negative, um, especially those things that are anger, you know, because that means you're not being very loving to other people. If you're angry at somebody, you must not be loving, but sometimes your anger at other people comes directly from love for them. Sometimes you're really angry at a person, for example, who's addicted to drugs, and you're angry because they, they, they just can't seem to get their act together and stop using drugs. And that, uh, that comes from loving them. It uh, doesn't mean you need to go and give them a lecture because that's probably not going to do any good, but it does mean that your feelings are important and they need to be acknowledged inside you. We tend to think that everything we feel needs to be given to the world. We need to, if I feel angry, I need to tell you off. If I feel afraid, well, that means that I need to tell you, you know, something about what you're doing that's scaring me. Well, no, no, that's not what it means. It means you're having a feeling that's trying to direct you inward so that you can get close to your own feelings and you can figure out what's going on, ask some questions, get some answers, and get some therefore direction from the inner guide, the inner guide being your emotions. So there's no such thing as a negative thought. There's no such thing as a negative thought. Those, thought, the, those thoughts that come up that, uh, you know, tell us we're not good enough. Um, 
those thoughts that come up that tell us to worry about what other people think. Those, those are what people might call negative thoughts, but they're not negative. They just are springing from some unresolved issues inside of us, and we need to pay attention to those unresolved issues and work toward resolution, not just try to send the thoughts away. That's not going to do any good. The thoughts are just the tip of the iceberg, you know, and the tip of the iceberg is what sticks out of the ocean. And so they're not, it's not going away, especially if the bottom of the iceberg is not gone, the top of it's not going anywhere. So uh, when, we, when we think about these, when we say we have negative thoughts, what we really mean is push that thought away. Push it away, send it away, pretend it's not there, and then you'll be thinking all positive thoughts. And you think only things that are positive, and then you'll be better. And positive thoughts are those thoughts that are you know, I'm a good person, I'm a worthy person, I, I, I'm going to be able to attract the wealth and the prestige and the whatever else it is that I want. You know, those positive affirmations, those are considered to be positive. But sometimes those, po- what we call positive, they're just lies. You know, uh, we're, it, they're fairy tales. You know, I've had many people come into my office and say to me, I've been trying to think positive for uh, a couple of years now. And struggle every day to think really positive thoughts, but I'm I'm still attracting these negative circumstances. I still haven't attracted all that money or, or that I want. I still haven't attracted that relationship that I want. I still haven't attracted that that uh, that car or that job that I want. Um, they they're not able to what they call manifest. They're not able to manifest things in their lives that are meaningful to them because they must be doing something wrong is what they tell me. What is it that I'm doing wrong? I can't figure out what I'm doing wrong. And they're not doing anything wrong except trying really hard not to think what they think. <laughs> trying not to know what really what's at the bottom of that iceberg. And until, as long as they're doing that, they're never going to solve the problem. So we've been taught some stuff that's just not true, and it's really just spiritual bypassing, the stuff that, that says that we have negative thoughts and negative feelings and that we can attract negative experiences, negative events. We, we say that a death in the family or a car accident or an illness or a loss of a job or a loss of income, or we say those are negative events. They are difficult events, no doubt about it. Uh, and, and, and certainly anyone that's going through anything like that at this moment who's listening to me right now, I want you to hear me acknowledging that these are very difficult events but they are also potentially transformative events, and therefore they cannot be called negative. Uh, they have the potential to change us, to make us grow. Uh, I remember an, a two-year period of time in my life when I struggled mightily to find another job because I was with a boss who was uh, demanding, not asking, but demanding that I do some things that were unethical and threatening to fire me if I didn't do them. And I had to keep standing up to him and 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 keep standing up to him. And And even to the point of hiring an attorney so that he could not fire me, uh, you know, in that way. So um, that, that event changed me. Those two years changed me. I I had a lot of fear and I was, uh, uh, driven by that fear to do some things that protected me, uh, and I and I learned so much about how to speak up with kindness but with truth, 
Uh, I learned a lot about my own rights to assert myself and to protect myself. I learned a lot about how to have a boundary and to maintain it. I learned a lot about my own voice and how to speak from my voice to other people and so that now it's hard to shut me up. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I, I know that uh, this event changed me. Would I have chosen to go through that event? Absolutely not. I would not have said, oh, yeah, let's send me to that hell hole, that fresh new hell. I, let's go there. No, I, didn't, I wouldn't have asked for it. But it came, and so I dealt with it, and it changed me as a result. And that's the way it is with life. These things come, and we didn't ask for them. We don't want them, but here they are, and now we have a choice as to how we're going to deal with it. And so many times what happens is people are being told, well, you just rejoice in all things. Just rejoice in all things. Don't, just don't let that get to you. Don't, you know, just, just be stoic about it. And that advice is advice to spiritually bypass. It means don't feel it. Don't really acknowledge that you're having a difficult time. And don't tell anybody about it, for goodness sakes, because you're not a very spiritual person if you're having a problem. That's one of our biggest myths out there. If you're having a problem, you can't really be a spiritual person because, because the divine, in whatever form you see the divine, the universe, whatever you call that, is not gonna, it, it would not have given you this negative event. It means that you have attracted this negative event into your life because you're not a very spiritual person. If you were a spiritual person, you would not be having these negative events in your life. And therefore, we say to ourselves, we can't tell anybody about it because they will judge us for not, as not being a spiritual person. So we pretend that things are okay when they're not okay to prove to other people that we're spiritual people so that we can be seen as a spiritual person. And that's spiritual bypassing. It's not the truth. It's not genuine. It's not real. It's not even legitimate. Uh, but here we are doing that thing. Um, and so... What we're doing is, is trying to meet an image, trying to be an image of what we think is a spiritual person. And that is absolutely the definition of spiritual bypassing. So uh, when you have friends tell you that you should not, you know, if you, ha- if you had only done X, Y, and Z, you wouldn't be having this problem. They're being kind of like Job's friends. If you ever have read the story of Job in the Jewish Tanakh or the Christian Old Testament, You know that Job's friends came to him and said, you have sinned, and that's why this has happened. And another one came and said, well, not, he he denied that he'd sinned. And then the next friend came and said, well, you've sinned in a secret way. There's some kind of secret sin. And the next one came along and said, you know, it's, uh, if you haven't sinned, then you're going to learn something from this. And that one was more or less true. But the, uh, the, uh, what, so they were not very good friends. They weren't really there for him. They weren't really present with them. Those friends that come and sit with you and hold your hand and say nothing, that just want to give you a hug and say nothing, unless you need for them to say something, those are the people who are your spiritual friends. Those are the people who are, are going to be really there for you. That's what being present is all about. I'm here. I feel your sadness. I feel your sorrow. I feel your fear. I feel your anger. I see what you're going through. I'm, I can see you walking through this, and I'm here with you in it. That's a real friend. The friends who come to you and tell you that you must have done something, must have been thinking some negative thoughts or having some negative feelings in order to attract this negative event into your life, 
those are not real friends, and they're not they're not teaching you to be a spiritual person at all. So, so the idea that we have pro- that having a problem is non spiritual is a, a total mistake. Everyone on this planet has problems from time to time. Some people have problems for an entire lifetime. Some people struggle with starvation and homelessness for the, throughout their lives. Um, people in other countries and people in this country have that same problem. So does that mean they're not spiritual beings? Does that mean they're somehow less than other people? Well, there's a politic out there that would say they are. They're less than other people and they just need to pull themselves up by the bootstraps and then they'll be okay. Yeah, what if they don't have any boots? What do they do then? So we have a lot of mythology that we believe to be true that's really spiritual bypassing. And we're going to be talking some more about this right after the break. So stay tuned for some more right after this. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com If you've always wanted to take the lead in your life, but you don't believe you are a leader, then it's time to change that mindset. Leadership expert Linda Patton will help you discover the powerful leader that lives within and teach you the leadership skills that will transform your business and your life. Stepping into your leadership brings reality to your vision, and leadership can be learned. Find out more on Leadership Stars. Every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our life takes a series of unexpected detours as we move along our journey. We can choose to accept these detours as something negative, or we can choose to create a learning experience where we can turn a tragedy or unexpected turn in life into something that can help others. To learn more, tune in to Embrace the Unexpected with host Bernadette Butler. In the program, you'll learn how she and others were able to turn setbacks into positives. Listen live Fridays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Tune in to The James Dentley Show and learn strategies for success in business and in life. Dr. James Dentley is a proven success coach who knows how to convert good into great. You'll find out from the achievers and leaders how they got to be the success stories that they are. And Dr. Dentley and his guests will give you the tools you need to follow in their footsteps. It's time to become the best version of you. Listen to The James Dentley Show, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on Voice America Empowerment. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today again about spiritual bypassing and what that means. And we've talked about how we try to spiritually bypass fear and how we try to spiritually bypass anger and how we try to say that having a problem means that you're not a spiritual person. These are all untruths and, uh, and we want to 
We want to be able to be in the midst of what is in our lives and walk through it as as a, a, a being, as a being who is alive to what is experience, our own experience, instead of trying to pretend that we're not really having that experience in the name of spirituality. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about uh, sorrow for just a minute. Sorrow is one of those emotions that we want to avoid like the plague. We, the last, the last feeling we want to feel. We'll feel fear. We will feel fear and anger well before we will feel sorrow. Sorrow is a deep, deep, deep river, and it aches like it's opening up the crevices of a mountain. It just is uh, very, very difficult to feel. Uh, on the other hand, it is cleansing and transforming to allow ourselves to feel it. It changes us at a deep, deep level. I have yet to know a single person who has really experienced their deepest sorrow who has not been deeply changed by that experience. They know things on a deeper level. They experience life on a deeper level. They uh, experience uh, the, the joy of connection to other people on a deeper level. They are fully much more alive to living life than people who have never let themselves experience sorrow. And we can, we can avoid it in all kinds of ways. Not only can we use alcohol, drugs, sex, cigarettes, all kinds of things to avoid work, romance, all kinds of things to avoid uh, feeling sorrow. But we can also just kind of walk through life pretending that it's not there. Um, I believe one of the reasons why so many people are depressed out there is because they're repressing sorrow. They're pretending to themselves that they don't have real sorrow. And doing the work of repression takes a load of energy. So that eventually you get depressed. And what is depression? It's not just sadness, although sadness can be a part of it. Um, it's, it's this lack of motivation, this anhedonia. That's, it's, there's no pleasure in life. There's not much, much meaning in anything. There's just this vacantness, this emptiness, this, this hopelessness that just says this is the way it is, this is the way it's always going to be. I don't have the energy to get up in the morning. I don't have the energy to live my life. I don't really have the energy to do much of anything. And so uh, so uh, there's, there's a deep sense that, um, that, you know, life is just meaningless. And um, I do believe that the reason there's so many people that are depressed is that there's so many people who are trying really hard not to feel sorrow. Um, I'd rather be depressed than feel sorrow. They don't know that. They don't know they're choosing depression over sorrow because they've generally been taught not to feel sorrow. Feeling sorrow for a lot of people feels like self-pity. That's one of our spiritually bypassing terms. If you if you if you feel sorrow, you must be feeling sorry for yourself. And self-pity is a kind of bitterness that takes over a, a, a lifetime that really a person lives in. That they don't just feel every now and then, but they live in a sense that life sucks and it's just terrible and the gods are mean and people are mean and nobody can be trusted and you just don't know how hard it is for me. It's harder for me than it is for other people and it's just this real bitter feeling. That is self-pity. But feeling sorrow is not the same as self-pity. Um, and, you know, the people that get bitter are the people who haven't allowed themselves to feel sorrow. Uh, so, so when we're talking about sorrow, what we mean is there's this, there's this, there's crying that comes with it. There's this really deep, sad feeling that comes with it that usually tears 
help, help to some degree. Not maybe they don't make it go away, but they make they do help to some degree. And uh, and there's this sense that you you're walking through deep waters. You're walking through deep waters, and it and uh, and when you do that, you come out differently. You, you you know you may even learn to swim in those waters. You may even grow fins and learn how to breathe underwater. Because, and I mean that metaphorically, because uh, there's a sense that, you know, you now know, you understand sorrow. You understand that life carries this deeper element to it, and it, it, it can transform you and change you. And what I say is the same as other people have said, other poets and other people have said this same thing, that, that the more we allow ourselves to feel sorrow, the greater we can feel joy. Uh, so we, if we if we can't feel sorrow, we're not going to be able to feel joy either. So when we cut off one emotion and say that one's not going to work for me, then we might be cutting off several others as well. We need to know that. We need to understand that. But sorrow. One of the things we do about sorrow is we say it's self pity, and that's wrong. It's selfish to have self pity, and therefore you shouldn't have that. And if you have, therefore you have that, you must not be a very spiritual person. Of course, that means that you're going to spiritually bypass sorrow when sorrow really has several gifts to give you. The other thing I really want to talk about is this idea of forgiveness. We see memes about this almost daily. There's something out there about forgiveness and how we need to forgive other people. And a lot of people take the term forgiveness and they think it means I've got to give him another chance. So they they think that's what forgiveness means. And so uh, they try to tell themselves to go ahead and forgive this person and therefore they allow the person maybe a a spousal abuser let's just take a worst case scenario spousal abuser I'm going to let you back into my life because you said you're sorry and it's the right thing to be forgiving and so I'm going to forgive you and I'm going to let you come back into my life I'm going to tell you it's okay now A I haven't really forgiven you because I just said to myself I was forgiving you and B uh, um there's this sense that uh, when, when you know, when I think that I have to forgive, there's a sense that I have to take you back as well. And therefore, next time you hit me, uh, I, I have to tolerate that because I said I was forgiving you. Um, so how many times do you have to do that? Now, according to some, some sacred text, it's 70 times 7. You have to keep doing that. You have to keep forgiving and forgiving and forgiving. Well, here's the thing. Forgiveness is not giving someone a second chance. That's A. You can forgive somebody without letting them back into your life. In fact, I highly recommend it. I recommend that if a person has been toxic or abusive to you in any way, you not allow them into your life. They, they should not be allowed in your life. Why? Because they'll hurt you again. It's what, you know, my Angelou said it best. When someone shows you who they are, believe them. And I, I really believe that statement, and I and I really think that it's really true. If somebody shows you that they ha- they can abuse you this time, they can abuse you next time too. Uh, if somebody shows you that they're they're toxic and that they're blaming you for things you didn't do, or being emotionally abusive in any way, or being uh, gaslighting in any way, or any of those things, then then that's a person that perhaps you need to end the relationship with that person. That does not mean you cannot forgive them. I love to think about forgiveness as uh, in the terms of its word, the word forgive. I think of it as meaning for the gift. So 
here's how I know how I have when I have forgiven someone. When I have received fully the gift that that person came to give me, that's when I know that I have fully forgiven them. So I look back on that boss that I was telling you about a little while ago that was asking me, demanding that I do unethical things and threatening to fire me all the time. When I look back at that boss, I, I, um, I, can, I can totally see that I have forgiven because I'm very grateful for the things that he taught me. Had he not done exactly what he did, I would not have learned the things that I did learn. I learned how to be assertive. I learned how to stand up for myself. I learned where my boundaries are. I learned where my ethics are. I learned where my true values are. I learned all of those things because he did what he did. Now, again, would I ask him to do that? Absolutely not. Do I think it was right that he did that? No, I don't. But I learned, and I got the gift. And so now I look back, and I don't have any ill feelings toward him because I I know I got the gift. That's when we can know we have forgiven someone. We've gotten to the place where we know we have fully received the gift that person came to give us. But until then, we can't call it forgiveness. We can't call it forgiveness just because you say, I forgive you. We can't call it forgiveness because you say, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you three times, like some books have recommended. We can't call it forgiveness just because you said, I'm going to take you back. We can't call it forgiveness until it's forgiveness. Okay. So I said I was going to talk about meditation as well because that's what uh, Michael B. Jordan was talking about in the clip that we just heard a little while ago. Um, meditation, he, he said that it carries a lot of baggage with it, and he's right. Meditation sounds like you're supposed to go home and sit in a certain position with your hands in a certain position and, and think certain thoughts and, and not think any thoughts at the same time you're thinking certain thoughts. Um, there's a lot of confusing information out there about meditation but meditation is actually just a time when you can center in yourself you can just be in that genuine self that you are so that may, might mean you have some thoughts that fly by but you don't attach to them it might mean you have some feelings that rise up but you don't attach to them you might feel them but you don't attach to them uh, they go they come and they go oh there's that feeling I'm feeling that feeling I see okay so that you're, you know, whether you're sitting down or laying down or standing up, I have a friend who plays the piano to meditate. And uh, whatever it is that you're doing, where you can get into that place where you feel really centered and really close to yourself, that's meditation. And that's good enough. Um, and if you can't feel really close to yourself, but you've sat quietly for a few minutes and had some, had some thoughts that, and feelings that arose and you paid attention to them, that's a start. That's a real good start. So, you know, don't think that meditation is impossible just simply because you think you have to either suspend all your thoughts or you have to think only certain thoughts. Uh, anytime you're trying to control your mind, you're in trouble. Your mind is going to think the thoughts it thinks, and it does that even when you're asleep. That's why you have dreams. So, uh, so instead of trying to control your thoughts by not thinking or by thinking only certain thoughts, uh, just try to be present with your your centered self, the, the baseline of who you are, the essential you, um, because that's that's spiritual uh, meditation, and it, and it does help you get to know that deeper self, and that deeper self, according to the Hindu religion, is divine, um, and I don't have trouble with that thought at all. So uh, so. 
We've talked today about spiritual bypassing, and basically what we've said is that it is possible to pass by things that are vital to our spiritual growth and call it spirituality. It is possible to walk on past fear, anger, sorrow, misplaced forgiveness, and pretend that we don't feel things we feel, and act as if we don't have problems we have, all in the name of looking like a spiritual person. And we don't even know that we're trying to look like a spiritual person. We don't even recognize that sometimes. But, but what we need to know is that we're here to be. We're here to have the experience of living this life as it is. And that experience is enough to help us grow and change into the beings that we are meant to be. Okay? So that's how I want to end this show. This is a great ending uh, to just know that. To just know that we're here to have the experience to be who we are so that we can be more who we are. So that's the end of our show today. We're going to be back again next week. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week. 